This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat, And we do have a good show for you guys today as the Pittsburgh Penguins training camp is officially underway as of today. But luckily, we had our own scout at the Pittsburgh Penguins development camp in Nick Horwat. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about what he saw. And we're also going to talk a little bit about storylines for the upcoming training camp. Horwat. Let's start out with what you noticed in development camp. Uh, well, thankfully you talked over the entire internet connection issue we had at the beginning, so we're <laughs> off to a good start, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, what I noticed through the development camp right off right off the jump is um, the guys that uh, you know are fighting for positions in the lineup or fighting to be near the NHL uh, looked pretty solid. They looked very good. Um, and there were definitely a couple of names that I think we had talked about before that mm-hmm. proved that they could still, that they are definitely able to be something. And uh, there was a little surprises, a couple of surprises here and there. I think I noticed I was there for the last two days, um, Monday and Tuesday, the goaltending did not look good on Monday. <laughs> and I think I saw, I think it was Josh Yoey tweeted that. I think he tweeted it on the first day on, Friday that it didn't look good uh, or Saturday, whatever the first day was that it didn't look great then. Uh, but they rebounded pretty well um, for uh, Tuesday when it all mattered, when there was drills and then team like quick team drills and then into the scrimmage, three on three shootout, stuff like that. They looked much better. Um, one goalie, I don't want anywhere near my team. We'll mm-hmm. get into that later. But um, for the most part, it looked like the guys were having fun. They were molding and, um, they're meshing together, which is kind of good because well, if, it's all, if a lot of these guys stick around, they are the future of this team. And I wouldn't mind having a fair chunk of them, you know, stick around. I think, yeah, we may still have one of the lowest ranking prospect pools in the league, but um, I saw one of the coaches, I forget who it was exactly, said there's more here than what the NHL is giving credit for. And there kind of is. It looked better than um, I was expecting. I'm glad you actually brought up goaltending. There is one goaltender I did want to ask specifically about, just mainly because of how recently the Pittsburgh Penguins brought him on board, and that's Philip Lindbergh. He was kind of the headline and goalie that was at player development camp, or rookie development camp, I should say. What did you think about what you saw with Philip Lindbergh early on? Um, I thought he looked good. I think he's going to be in a good spot starting in the AHL. I think... Um... You know, it's hard to watch goalies in camps like this because mm-hmm. everything is very forward-oriented and, um, you know, some of the – I will say some of the coaching staff was completely whiffing shots as well so whenever it was just goalie sessions. So it was interesting to watch uh, goalie practice. I think he looked the best of the three that were there. Mm-hmm. So that's a good start for him, especially if he's going to be the guy fighting for a spot in the AHL. And who knows after that because – um, 
I'll give little hints into I'm sure more of what we're talking about. The first day it was there, there was also a voluntary practice for the for the main squad, the professionals, mm. the guys we will see in the NHL. Brian Boyle is a giant. I want to point that <laughs> out to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also like the rest of the invites um, after everything. For I watched them for a couple of minutes, and Louis Domingue was there. And I don't know if it was just because it was a little voluntary. Louis Domingue looked like he had to get another step in his game. But again, I saw him for 10 minutes. I didn't even watch the entire thing. So um, Lindbergh looks good. I think he's got the future ahead of him and it's going to be a perfect start for him in the AHL system to grow. And maybe even if he plays behind uh, Domingue down there start, that's okay because he looked the best of the three. Um, Brochu looked good. I think he was second. I can't give too much more detail than he looked good. He's just a small kid. You know, mm-hmm. um, and Napier or Napier, however you say his last name. Uh, I don't want him anywhere near my team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be rude because um, he's in the E. Is that where he's playing or is he in I, the Ace? I believe he played for Wheeling last year a little bit. Um, he did not look good in this camp. And I don't know if it's just because it was a camp and he kind of has a spot locked up, which is kind of mm-hmm. how I took Poulan in the situation where Poulan didn't like blow me out of the water but I think he's kind of went into a feeling his spot's pretty solidified in the AHL. You don't have to go balls to the wall, especially whenever you have a real camp coming up. Whereas um, Napier, I think that's how you say it. It might Um, be Napier. I'm not sure. However it is, he didn't look phenomenal and Mm -hmm. that's not good, but I mean, Hey, his spots in the E slash the A. So, so be it. It's also what you can glean on from a three day camp and, it, it, it's not the kiss of death. It's it's not a rocket ship, no matter what how you perform in this camp. But it, it is kind of telling that it, it's probably, I believe, is his first development camp for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I can't remember if he was there a couple years ago. But if, if he's struggling, if he's the third best out of three, it's not a good start for his career, to, to be completely honest. But I'm glad you, uh, you also were tweeting while you were there a lot, a couple couple good videos, a couple interesting tweets, and there's one that I do want to pull up here on the screen if you give me one second, because you mentioned that Will Riley reminded you of Morgan Riley of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the tweet is up here. What do you see that's similar between the two of them? Uh, facial structure and blonde hair, and that is not a joke. They actually kind of look like each other. And <laughs> Morgan Riley's a right-handed shot, correct? I believe so. There's another thing. And they both wear number 44 and they're both kind of bigger body defensemen who now will Riley statistically in the past couple of seasons has not been a scorer or an offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. But will Riley. Um, I tweeted this about the same time. Um, oh, he's his name is escaping me for the post Gazette. We had him on Matt, uh, Matt Vensel. He mm-hmm. tweeted something similar that will Riley has in the three on three matchup, at least. Um, had two very good shots that led to goals for Team Gold in that in the three on three situation. So, kid's got a good shot, and he's our age, so he's like twenty four. He's a little older, so the prospect tag could be getting dropped soon. But for what it's worth, he was picked last overall in the twenty seventeen draft, and he's had to earn his way to where he is. And I think he's got a huge jump on everything now that. 
Um, he looked really good in this camp. I believe he's got an invite to real camp. Do you have those names with you still? Because I wanted to pull those up and forgot. I can pull it up really quickly while you yeah. continue to talk about him. Um, but yeah, no, he looked uh, really good and not just because I was comparing him to Morgan Riley the entire time I was watching him, but um, the fact that he's a big body defenseman, he does play defense. He does have a sneaky shot on him and uh, he's got the chance to make the team at some point this year to be a call up and then go from there. I think he's um, a player that should be utilized fairly easily and you should be able to have faith in him because he looked good. He looked good in this prospect camp. Again, you can only pull so much from a couple of days around other prospects where you kind of don't expect 80 to 90% of them to really do anything. But for what it's worth, he looked good against um, other pretty good prospects. I'm looking through right now, and he is going to be there. Same with Cam Lee. Same with, I believe, Josh Maniscalco and Isaac Beliveau as, as well. So it, it seems like most of the guys that you saw on Monday and Tuesday will also be at the main camp starting today, I guess, whenever this comes out. Yeah, Cam Lee, by the way. Cam Lee can play on my team tomorrow. <laughs> I want to say that. I, wanna, I wanted to say that specifically. Cam Lee has looked really good for, again, I don't have his stats, but for a defenseman who has already technically played professionally, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of our, the defensemen on the prospect camp did not have a phenomenal shot. Uh, Will Riley came around to have one, but Cam Lee had everything it seemed. He had, you know, good footwork, good hands, and a great shot. That he was an enjoyable to watch, and I had a couple of videos of him that I tweeted out. Um, yeah. One of him scoring, and uh, one of him just having fun at the end of the practice. Um, but he's a ton of fun to watch. And I think he might have a real chance of <laughs> this might sound fun because we just talked about him jumping. You Ricola if he's good <laughs> enough in the uh, depth chart, he's been a joy to watch. Now we would have to see him in preseason games and in the real camp. Mm-hmm. But for now, I think he's jumped up at least the prospect list into my top 10. So, I mean, that, that is pretty big news, especially considering Cam Lee is a name that we've, we've talked about a little bit. And we've mentioned that he played some professional hockey over in Europe as well. But at the same time, the fact that you're saying he's a top 10 prospect, there are a couple guys that are, are much higher than him. It seems nationally ranked. But if he's a guy that can come around and become a, a decent tiered prospect, it certainly helps the Pittsburgh Penguins when they don't have as many you know top tier prospects as possible. But I do want to ask one question. This will be kind of a branch between prospect camp and real camp. We talked on Monday's episode a little bit about the comments made by one Philip Hollander. What did you see from Hollander? And do you think heading into real camp where he does have an invite, do you think it's a, he's a guy that is going to contend for a spot? Or do you think that he's still a little bit off? It's kind of hard to tell only looking at prospect camp, but I think Hollander has looked, he, he looked more, he looks like more than just a good hockey player. He looks like a smart hockey player in um, certain drills. I was watching him attack the front of the net, go to the front of the net where he said he was going to be for um, in one of the, one of his other responses, he said he wants to be in that front guy and is growing his 200 foot game. And you can see it in the smart plays that he's making. It's not just getting the puck in and 
shooting to score. It's getting the puck in, making the correct passes, taking the smart shots, and the little things of the game. Like, I was watching him trying to get from behind the net to the front of the net uh, to be the net front guy, and I just watched him cleanly, all in one fell swoop, you know, put on, you know, quickly turn to a back skate, stick lift Sam and collect a pass, and hit the corner. It was just the little quick, all in the matter of a second, just boom. All those things happened at once, and it looked quick, smooth, and smart because Sam Poulin's stick lift got lifted, and that was, that's not a small thing. He's a big tank of a man, too. Mm-hmm. So I think he may have a real good shot at cracking the lineup, but um, he has to continue to play smart like this and um, stay at his top level through professional camp and some preseason. I think he's got a good chance. He's a strong man in front of the net, too. Mm-hmm. he's not easy to push around and he's got um a, i'd say a good chance it's not a phenomenal chance it's not like blow me out of the water like yeah put him on my team now but it's a chance of he'll be getting looked at and because of his comments i'm sure um burke hextall and sullivan i'm sure they're watching him which also another quick note i love watching the management the entire management coaching staff watch the prospects from their perch <laughs> It's really fun to see that because they weren't watching their professionals. They were watching the prospects, mm-hmm. all of them. You know, I was able to pick out, um, you know, Burke is easy to find, just white hair, found him. Um, Hextall is easy to find too because he's very tall. And Sullivan and Reardon were there along with the rest of their coaching staff. And I think our prospect guy, I forget his name now, the one who was interim GM. Sorry, it just started raining really, really hard where I'm at, and I can't. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. We have a tornado warning here, and the sun just came out, so mm. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I forget his name now too. Alvin, Patrick. Yeah, Alvin. Patrick Alvin. Sorry, I think he was up there. In fact, I think I saw him watching uh, the invites too. So mm-hmm. probably just watching like Drew O'Connor and uh, Pio Joseph because they're real prospects and uh, underlying guys but yeah it's watching them watch is interesting because they were keeping a close eye on their prospects and their future and probably watching guys like hollander hollander Poulan, and lagare who by the way every tweet you're seeing about lagare being 15 pounds lighter and faster it's very true that kid is fast now well that's good because that was one of the biggest knocks on him is that his foot speed same with Poulan, but both Legere and Poulin, the biggest knocks were that their foot speed was not where it's going to need to be to become NHL players. So if Legere is making steps and making strides towards that, that can only be a positive thing. Let's switch over to talking about training camp opening up because we are less than 20 days away now. From puck drop in Tampa Bay, Penguins and Lightning for game one of the NHL season. There's going to be several storylines to watch, and I have five down here that I believe that I'm going to watch and I think are going to be Five of the most interesting competitions or storylines heading into this training camp. And the first one actually does include Philip Hollander because it's who's going to be the third and fourth line centers out of camp. Malkin is not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. It seems as if Sidney Crosby is not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. We have Jeff Carter. We have Teddy Bluger. They're probably going to be in some shape or form the first and second line centers. But who is going to fill in behind them? Is it going to be Brian Boyle, who's currently on a PTO, but fighting for one of those two spots? You also have Evan Rodriguez, who we talked about in the last episode, as well as Sam Lafferty, Anthony Angelo, Michael Chaput, and Philip Hollander. 
that's going to be interesting knowing there's about six of these guys that could snag only two spots. And it's important because, listen, Evan Rodriguez is going to make the roster. Sam Lafferty, there's a good chance that he makes the roster. Brian Boyle, with these injuries, there's a good chance he makes the roster. But at the same time, if a guy like Anthony Angelo or even Philip Hollander comes and performs extremely well over the next couple of weeks, we could be seeing them suit up in Tampa instead of some of these other guys. Yeah, and now that I'm really thinking about it, the name you didn't mention, um, Dom Simone. Mm-hmm. Whenever I mentioned that I saw the professionals, like the NHL guys and uh, the rest of the camp invites in separate practices, Dom Simone was like with the Jeff Carters, with the Brian Rusts. He was with that group and not with the invites, which included like all the other names, names you just mentioned, like uh, O'Connor, P.O. Joseph, and Chaput and so I am just now putting two and two together there and thinking he, I'm not saying he has a leg up. Maybe he's just out there because he's buddies. Mm-hmm. He knows him. But there, that's a little something I didn't even realize. Um, but also Simone is in that conversation of all those names you just mentioned because. Does Simone play center? He can. And he's, mm-hmm. I think he has before, but he's still in that conversation of like forwards that might be doing something with this team because mm-hmm. we're kind of broken. Yeah, we mentioned him as a bubble player, a, a prospected NHL, kind of borderline NHL, AHL guy. And that's what he's going to be probably for the entire season. So we'll have to obviously keep an eye on Dom Simone and how he performs during this camp. Another question, and, and it kind of goes along the same lines with the centers, is how involved is Sidney Crosby going to be in the next three weeks? He's already, from reports, skating on his own. And they're trying to keep that under wraps. But he's already skating, which makes sense because it is a wrist injury. There's no reason he can't get into game shape. There's no reason he can't bag skate. So he's already skating on his own just a couple weeks after wrist surgery. When is he going to ramp up his intensity in his training? We don't know. That's what we're going to be watching in the next couple of weeks. Does he ramp it up to the point where he's just going to miss a couple games, but he's just needs to make sure his wrist is cleared or is it going to be the fact that he's going to be on this touch and go bag skating kind of schedule until he can get that wrist cleared that's going to be to me one of the interesting things is seeing where Sidney Crosby is while everything is happening during this training camp yeah that will be I think um I didn't do enough investigative reporting whenever I was there on Tuesday whenever uh Taylor Haas tweeted out that he was on the other rank and I said damn it, that's like three feet from me. And she was like two chairs down from me. Mm-hmm. Missed that entirely. So <laughs> I think um, I wouldn't have been able to see it anyway, but the fact that he's there and skating, yeah, it's a wrist injury. He should at least be skating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be nice to know exactly what he was doing. And if I could have like definitely not been in the same, been like in the, in the room, in the rink, but like maybe like peek the curtains, just see if he's taking shots, what he's doing, because – if you've noticed through all this media stuff that's been going on, um, like the NHL media tour in Chicago mm-hmm. and um, Crosby and McKinnon doing their Nathan, their, their, their Tim Hortons thing again, he hasn't had like anything on his wrist. Like, yeah. He doesn't past. have a brace on at all. Yeah. So maybe it's like upper wrist. Like maybe it's just a wrap. I mean, we don't know what the injury was. We know nothing, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been like wearing anything which is kind of what I've always been looking for. So who knows exactly how far along he is already. And that's exactly what you were asking. If I would have known he was there, I would have like tried to peek something to see if he's (laughs) shooting or like doing 
wrists or like stick handling drills or something. But we would have um, seen the video of you getting kicked out by Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, <laughs> <laughs> getting truculated out of the building. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Just for what it's worth, though, the fact that he is skating is more than nothing. Yes. And because usually when you know you think of players skating, you just think of like public skate. No, when when players are skating, they're fu- usually semi full equipment. Mm-hmm actually with pucks on the ice and taking shots or doing something. So it's more progress than nothing. And I'm interested to see what your other points of how many of them match up with mine. Cause I had, uh, so far we have had a very similar start. I didn't have Crosby exactly, but yeah. Yeah. The other one I wanted to look at it is what this top six is going to look like for game one. I mean, we we're going to get some line rushes here in a couple days. Is it going to be against Carter rust? as a top line and we literally just move the guys up in the center position and don't switch anything from the wingers or are we going to put a guy like Brock McGinn or a guy like Danton Heinen give them an opportunity in the top six try to spread out the talent on the wings and try to make sure that each line has a little bit more danger and a little bit more scoring ability especially when you're missing two of the top scorers on your team historically over the past decade and a half so are they going to switch around the wingers, or are they just going to basically keep the wings as set as they want to and just switch around the centers? I think that's going to be something interesting to watch and see what Mike Sullivan's thought process is when it comes to setting up the lines without Malkin and Crosby. So I didn't even think to look at who was playing with who whenever I saw the... I'm sure during those workouts, it was very informal. I'm sure Mike Sullivan was just like, just Mike go Sullivan wasn't even whatever he wanted. He wasn't even watching. It was just, I mean, yeah. whoever, whatever coaches were there just kind of dropped the puck for him and let them play scrimmage. Yeah. But I mean, I just thought it was, I did notice that I, um, I think Latang and Matheson were sharing a line sometimes. So, you know, yeah, it's going to be informal, but at least, you know, guys trying to play together, and get to know mm-hmm. each other would have been interesting enough. Um, but from there, yeah, seeing what this top six will look like, it's going to be frightening, to say the <laughs> least, uh, center-wise at least. I mean, I think our wingers are going to be perfectly okay, especially if we keep Jacob there with Rust and then maybe Jeff Carter. There's your one, two, three on the top line. Not bad. You don't hate it. You don't love it, but you don't hate it. Um, Then our second line wingers, again, maybe Zucker slips in. You know, And then Kasperi Kapanen. I think our wingers look okay. Oh, our wingers are fine. It's just the fact that who's playing in between them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I will say <laughs> I watched uh, Brian Boyle and um, Teddy Bluger take a face-off. Boyle looks like – they look like father and son standing <laughs> next to each other and taking a draw together. Like, it's it was kind of hysterical. So – and Boyle looks to be decent so far from this slow little skate I was watching him do, but mm-hmm. it's not terrible. Again, we have to watch a pick up in real training camp, which I don't think I'll be able to make any of those. So mm-hmm. sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, Horat, what is one of the things that you're looking for? Cause you said you had a list there as well. And, and I want to get to some of yours before I get to the final one that I have on my list. Um, my big one is Brian Boyle because I want to know if he's going to make this team out of camp, if he's going mm-hmm. to be effective in this lineup and uh, be a center. That's one of my big ones. I, again, keeping an eye on Hollander. That's a big one. Um, I also want to see how P.O. Joseph stacks up now mm-hmm. because he had his stint in the NHL last season. 
it wasn't ideal circumstances. I mean, he had to play first line minutes. Not ideal for your first, what, 16, 10? I forget how many games. Around, they had around 16. Not ideal to start your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what caused it to not be a perfect sort of tenure to start off with. Because the first few games, we thought he looked great. We were all about it. We we're all about this PO show. You know, then you got to stick him on the first line and things kind of fall apart, but that's not due to any fault of his own. And it is not a bad thing. He's a rookie playing first line minutes out of position. Wasn't he on the wrong side? At points. Yeah. At points he was, he was deployed on the wrong side or the opposite side. I shouldn't say the wrong side. Yeah. So it's a little harder. You can't totally blame him for that. So I want to see how he does in a full, full fledged training camp and some, full-fledged preseason games here to really uh, get his feet going with this team and see where he stacks up, you know, for real on this team defensively, because I think, I mean, we were talking all kinds of conversation last season that he might start the season here or um, be the first call up. He ended up mm-hmm. being the first call up very early in the season. Tag, he was on the taxi squad. Forgot yeah. about, forgot about that last year. So now this year is going to be different because it's either minors or you're getting called up or healthy scratch, but we're assuming that's reserved for you. Mm-hmm. So I want to see where he actually stands in this lineup this year because there's no middleman anymore for him. Yeah. And that leads to my last just kind of thing that I'm looking for in, in this training camp. Obviously the big question going in is who's going to be the sixth defenseman. We all know, you know, Latang, Dumoulin, Matheson, Pedersen, and Marino, they're all pretty much easily slated to be dressed on October 12th. Who's going to be that last defenseman? Is it going to be Chad Ruedel? Is it going to be Mark Friedman? Is it going to be Yusuf Rikula? Which, again, highly doubt. That would shock me to my core. But he's in that conversation. So is P.O. Joseph. And from your reports, maybe Cam Lee can make it interesting. Maybe Cam Lee can make it interesting. Now, there's a lot of names that he would have to jump, including P.O. Joseph, who is clearly the number one priority on the back end when it comes to development for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But that's a question. Who's going to step up? We're going to see all five of these guys probably get plenty of playing time during the preseason. And who's going to be the best of them might not necessarily be the guy that ends up being the number six defenseman to start the season. So... I, that's what I'm going to have fun watching, seeing especially when those first line rushes come out, who is deployed as the number six. So who gets the nod at the beginning of camp versus who's going to get the nod on October 12th? Yeah, I think I, Cam Lee may have a chance to push, but it would, it, it'd be extremely hard. I think he probably starts in the AHL, but seeing him maybe at some point in the season could be fun. I think Maniscalco was pushed up to the taxi squad last year, wasn't he? For like a day. Yeah, at points, but he never actually dressed. Yeah, but the fact that um, the team had the wherewithal to utilize him enough to push him to the taxi squad, I think watching those names bump up, um, I'm not going to say it showed their spot on the totem pole per se, but uh, it showed interest because, I mean, if you were on the Penguins taxi squad last year, you had a very good chance of being in the (laughs) NHL the next day. So... That's not a slight on Maniscalco, who I didn't very, very, I didn't notice very much whenever mm-hmm. I was watching prospect camp. So he's got to pull through in uh, real camp, I guess. But yeah, I think watching for that sixth D man, it's. I would hope it's Joseph. I think he's my 
go-to choice here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know the. I don't know everyone's shot off the top of my head. I don't know left or right, so that could also be a problem. Mm-hmm. And there's also Chad Ruiz, as always. Yeah, there's, there's Chad, no matter what. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. When we return, we will have our shout-outs and call-out segment. We'll be right back. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week three game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 3 football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Again, that is promo code THBN at DraftKings. Shoutouts and callouts, Horwat. We have, I have a couple interesting ones here, but I do want to have you lead us off with callouts. We're going to start negatively this time. Who are you calling out? Uh, I'm calling whoever in my building or whoever probably moved out of my building that still has a HelloFresh subscription and doesn't collect the box from the very hot, very warm vestibule. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sits there for days and it, and things start smelling quickly because the, the sun beats directly in on that little room. Yeah. Uh, and it does, it makes entering and exiting my building not fun. Every week a new box shows up. One of these days I'm just going to take it while it's fresh and have a meal. <laughs> but, um, and it sits there for days because it's technically mail and we can't just get rid of it and throw it away. And mm-hmm. the workers don't really know what to do with it. So, Whoever you are out there that has a HelloFresh subscription at your wrong address, because I'm assuming they don't live here anymore. It's not getting collected right away. Um, cancel it. Do you know how much that stuff is? It's very expensive. Yeah. You're wasting your money, first of all. Unless you got one of those weird free trials from a YouTuber that's like free for a year. They don't do that. It's usually like 20% off your first box. We're, we are well past our first box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, this is just like me ranting about people that used to live here, I guess, but... Still, 
Yeah, I mean, there's people in my building that do certain things. Like, there's no reason that you should be throwing your trash or emptying your whatever beverage you're having on the ground in the elevator. Like, that, completely unnecessary. But fair enough. I, I won't go too far into that. But my call out is actually the NFL. The no fun league strikes again because this new taunting rule is ridiculous. It, it really is. There are so many things in that league, as with most leagues right now, that need fixed. And and taunting was not one of them. I mean, that's a massive penalty, a 15-yard penalty for celebrating. And I get taunting and celebrating are two different things, but they're calling it as if it's a 15-yard penalty for celebrating. I mean, if they were worried, why did you loosen the touchdown celebration restrictions a couple years ago? Why you're sending mixed signals. It's like, no, you can only celebrate if you score a touchdown. Like, come on guys. It is a sport. It's meant to have fun. You want to see people have emotion. You want to see your players show emotion. Yeah. They're going to get into each other's faces a little bit. It is a very intense sport and that's what you want. Now, excessive taunting. I understand the need for a penalty there. Something like Steelers lineman, Trey Turner spitting on a Las Vegas Raider last week. I understand that is a penalty, especially in the COVID world. That is a penalty. You should not be able to do that. You should not be doing that as a grown adult. So stuff like that or stuff like certain phrases that you can imagine are probably not okay to say in any context. I get the penalty for that. But sometimes we're, we're just given penalties for, for staring people down. Like, is that real? Is it taunting? Maybe but these are grown ass men. You have to be over the age of what? 20 to be in the NFL. So I don't want to hear that it's hurting people's feelings or it's a bad look on the game. It's a celebration. These guys are intense human beings. If you've ever met an NFL player, doesn't matter which one, they are intense human beings. So the, the, the taunting rule to me, it's absolutely asinine. And if it ruins some of these games, it's just going to piss me off more at the league. So the, they're tightening it up on, on the taunting rule this year, right? Yeah, they started this season. Week week two got a, a lot more. Okay, so, it, but with that, when the dude in the Super Bowl, I forget what his name is now. When Which he put when he put the deuces in his in that other guy's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on in Tyreek fla- Hill, in Tyreek yeah. Hill's face. Wasn't he flagged for that? He was flagged for taunting. That shouldn't have been taunting. <laughs> I mean, I think this, I, I am with you on this, the taunting rule, especially because they lightened up on it not that long ago. That's the part that gets me mm-hmm. is that you lightened up on it and then kind of just said, never mind, you guys are taking it too far. That's where you get me on this. Well, no, they lightened up on touchdown celebrations. Let us remember, you, you if you score a touchdown, it's fine. But I mean, here, here it is. Basically, to, to, to whittle it down to basics, taunting should not be a penalty at all. Unsportsmanlike conduct is a penalty. There's a difference there. I can taunt you for whatever reason. Your chicken wings suck, Horwat. That's taunting. I shouldn't get a flag for that, even though it's a lie. But if I looked at you and started bad-mouthing you to the point where you're going to go cry in a corner, that's unsportsmanlike conduct. So, clearly, I mean, again, soapbox, which is basically this whole half of this. That's what call-outs are for. It's for us to get on our soapbox about stupid stuff. But that, to me, is just absolutely ridiculous.
I, it is. I, I don't know much about it. I just, I know people don't like getting taunted. I guess. I don't know. It's, I guess. I, let I, these I guys know. have fun. This goes with any sport. Let, yeah. let these, they're all kids these days. Let them all have fun. Also, I picked up this puck. I totally forgot to mention this. I almost died for my craft at the uh, prospect <laughs> camp. I don't know why I didn't tell the story because straight up, no one saw this puck fly over the net. I'll get to it once we wrap up call outs. Fair enough. Uh, shout out. Let, let's move over to shout outs. Horwood, I'll let you lead off this one too. Um, I want to talk about, I want to shout out the best season that a baseball player is having this year and he's not going to win the MVP. Vladimir Guerrero is about to win the Triple Crown. Uh, see, I, I I still think he might win the MVP. I know everybody wants to give it to Shohei Otani, but rightfully so. Both uh, they are both very well, very deserving of it. Mm. But Vladimir Guerrero is he currently with like eleven games left? I think he has, mm-hmm. or at least the Blue Jays have. Uh, one hundred eighty-one hits leads the American League. A batting average of 322 leading the American League. Both of those actually, I think, lead the MLB. Hmm. Like both leagues, which yeah. you don't need to do. And he currently has 46 home runs, which is tied for the lead in the tied for the American League lead and also the MLB lead. This dude's about to win the triple crown, and everyone still wants to give the MVP to Shohei, which don't get me wrong, they both deserve it. It just sucks they're both in the American League. But um, this is about to be the second Triple Crown in, what, 50, 60 years? Yeah, what's the last one? Miguel Cabrera, right? Cabrera in 2012, and I think before that was 1967. Yeah. Vladimir Guerrero should be winning the MVP. Shohei, what Shohei is doing is great. He's got many more years. He's about to get shelled from pitching for the year, though. Yeah. So, I don't Which, what, he's going to miss two starts? Uh, yeah, this late, probably. May have already missed one because I saw that headline, like, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if Vlad Guerrero can just hold on to the average, get a couple more hits, and bang out at least maybe one, one or two more home runs, hey, you got a triple crown winner, and that does not happen often, especially now. Yeah. Um, also, second in hits is Bo Bichette, also on the Toronto Blue Jays. At the Toronto Blue Jays, far out of a playoff spot. <laughs> they're in a playoff spot currently. They are. I thought they were. A th- is the AL East that good? Because they're in the third in the AL East. They're, they're, yeah. Boston is number one in the wild card as of right now with a one and a half game lead on Toronto, who has a half game lead on the first team out, which is the New York Yankees right now. I did not look that far in. I just saw third in the AL East and assumed they were out because. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see that now. Whole oh, the. Oh, the AL is not good this year. No, it it is not. The AL Central has always been kind of trash, and the AL West. I mean, Oakland was good, then they sucked in August. The Mariners are back and forth. So it, it, it's all really the AL East. Yeah, it is. Um, and it's not even the Yankees, who are only a half a game back. Yeah, so it, it's going to be an interesting last couple of weeks here in the MLB season. I don't understand the half a game thing. I used to. Totally forgot it. It, there's, it, it ends up not mattering. Yeah. Because once everybody plays 162 games, there's no halves. It's just a matter of who's played more games. Yeah. All right. Uh, I also like that there's a little skull and crossbones on baseball reference for every team that's been eliminated. Yeah. The Baltimore Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Arizona Diamondbacks have had that for a while. But uh, no, I, I think Vladimir Guerrero should win the MVP, obviously. But 
it, it's down to the last thing is who's the best player. It's the same thing in the NHL. Who's the best player or who's the most important player to their team? Shohei Otane is the most valuable player to the LA Angels, but the LA Angels are still trash. Vladimir Guerrero is the most important player to a pretty darn good, exceptionally good in the last couple weeks, Toronto Blue Jays team. Hmm. So, I mean, you have you have a guy that's going to probably win the, the Cy Young up in Toronto as well. So, it depends on how you want to vote. Do you want to vote for the best player overall, or do you want to vote for the guy that is technically the most important to his team? Always, always going to have that discussion. It's always going to come down to that. So I think you give it to a guy like Vladimir Guerrero because the fact that is not only that he's on a good team, but the fact is he's going to win the Triple Crown. Uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Anytime, If you're even in the top five and everything, you're ridiculous at baseball. But to, to, to win the Triple Crown, you're, you're on some other level. Yeah, I tried. I had them up, the MLB Triple Crown... Um, yeah, it was Cabrera before, and before that, it was in 67 with Carl Yastrzemski. Mm. Also, the NL hasn't won the Triple Crown since 1937, for what it's worth. The, the, the who? The National League. Oh, the NL. I thought you said the AL. I was like, Miguel Cabrera played for the Tigers. And Yastrzemski in the Red Sox. But yeah, since 1937, when the St. Louis Cardinals had Joe Medwick hmm. do it in 37. Baseball history, everybody. It's because there's a DH in the in the NL. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I guess now is a good time to finish off the episode with my shout-out. And my shout-out goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, a couple days ago, they posted about having their season ticket holder Zoom calls instead of their players delivering the season tickets because of, obviously, COVID restrictions. Oh, that's what that was? Yeah, they did Zoom calls in place of the deliveries. Dope. Jake Gensel, he he went to some season ticket holder seats and, and made the call from their exact seats. Hell yeah. They were sending out free signed jerseys to everybody in the household of the season ticket holders. I mean, they could have just blown it off. They weren't able to do it last year because clearly yeah. there were no games last year. They could have just blown it off again this year and sent out your season tickets. But the fact that they went through all of this and, and it wasn't I don't, the only person I didn't really see on any of the Zoom calls was Evgeny Malkin, and I don't think he's with the team as of right now. I, I don't think he's in Pittsburgh right now. But the fact that they could have just blown it off and they decided to do it anyway, some of the questions, they're just answering questions for these fans, having fun, smiling, and it was nice to see that the Penguins still care enough to do something like that. Yeah, and another thing too, I didn't even think of this. Season tickets are electronic now. All tickets are electronic now. Yeah. Are they gonna? How they? They they're changing something, I guess, with this whole delivery system. I, but maybe they just show up with like a QR code. I don't know. Or maybe they just show up as a congratulations. Yeah, that you get a season ticket holder like pendant or whatever. Well, big gold chain like AJ Galante. Yeah, which by the way, I finally watched that. Oh, we'll have to talk off air then. Okay. Um, no, because. Whenever Max Talbot brought my tickets, this was like the first year they did it, I think. Mm-hmm. If not like the first or second. It was early on. It was a long time ago. We like literally only got the tickets and like the visit, which is enough. Yeah. Because you get you get to you, – he sits in, on your dining room table and signs everything you hand him. Mm-hmm. And you have conversation. He's literally in your house. I think the vid- – everyone has seen videos of it. Yeah. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see what they do now that it's all electronic. I didn't even think or realize that. I mean, that's something we'll figure out next year, I guess. As long as, I mean, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, but hey, whatever. Obviously, they'll do something still. This is a very popular thing they do every year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't realize that's what the Zoom call was for. That's mm-hmm. cool. Um, that's, and Jake Gensel going to the direct seat is hysterical, actually. Yeah. He's just sitting there. Hey, you guys got some nice seats. You, you both have some really nice seats. Uh, yeah. I love that. That's actually really funny. I have to watch those videos. I just kind of saw the screenshots of it. Mm-hmm. And didn't realize what it was for but don't yeah. love that new things so to close out the show why don't you tell us about how you almost lost your head yeah yeah it's, so if anyone has been to like a peewee or like any sort of like small hockey arena you usually know like the net like the protective net for the crowd goes like all the way to the ceiling um usually give or take there's like some clearance there mm-hmm. there's like maybe four or five feet at the upmc complex and no one i was just trying i didn't even see it coming i was just taking a note after a drill um no noise is made there's no sound like you can't tell that like hey someone just hit a puck around or something um i hear one guy and i don't know if this if he was like yelling at the puck flying toward me i just hear him go oh like, okay didn't hear whatever next thing i know i just hear three clanks around me something tips off my leg and lands on my shoe I'm like what was that and i look down it's this friggin' practice puck <laughs> And I like kind of noticed something like fly toward my eye. Like, like I thought it was just a fly. Um, no, it was a puck that I guess almost ripped my head off or something. I don't know what it hit, where it hit. I just saw it land next to my, my converse, like just on the ground. I was like, Oh, cool. Got a puck. I look around to see if anybody noticed anything. No one's looking at me. So this puck just landed next to me. I'm like, I guess it's mine now. There were no kids around. I was going to like give it to a kid because what do I need a practice puck for? You're nope. the kid there. I was like, no kids around. No <laughs> one noticed this. I just put it in my pocket and went on with my day. <laughs> my heart rate was up because I was like, I almost died, I think. Um, but the, I just didn't know what to do. I just like, no one noticed anything because again, when the net is that close to the ceiling, you're not expecting that. I mean, if it gets over that net, you would imagine that it's going to come in like a bloop shot in baseball. It's not coming as a line drive. I, I still, how did, I just want to know. I want to know how it got up there. Cause it was also the end of a drill. Wh- who's rifling shots at the end of a drill and where did it come from? I was, I wasn't exactly in a spot where a puck would normally land either. I'm going to need the security f- tape for this time. Me too. I think <laughs> I don't actually, I'm not thinking about it. Um, I think the, you, I think the Lemieux Complex is on Live Barn. I don't know if they have old stuff, and I don't know if they uh, videotape Penguins practices, but uh, I don't think they would have that readily available for people. Yeah, I don't think so either. I just because <laughs> I just know like where we play deck hockey, you can like watch mm-hmm. uh, Twitch streams, and I think they have old games from whatever yeah. they started at least. So I don't know if maybe you can go back on Live Barn, which I've heard of before. So mm-hmm. who knows? Anyway, uh, that's the story. I'm. I'm okay. It didn't actually like hit me. Mm-hmm. It just like fell next to me and like kind of like plopped onto my foot. <laughs> I don't know. I walked in thinking it'd be hysterical if I got a puck and I looked at the net like that's not happening. Whatever. Well, hello, fate. <laughs> I was I would love to know who shot it. Well, I'm glad you didn't crack your skull open, but that is gonna do it. <laughs> that is gonna do it. 
for this episode of the tip of the iceberg training camp is officially underway everybody it is a good time to be a hockey fan as we are less than 20 days away from pittsburgh penguins versus tampa bay lightning we'll have all the news and updates for you leading up to the big game and throughout this season as we will start season three of the tip of the iceberg in just a couple weeks but for today we say goodbye thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week have a good weekend pence fan you can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.